towards the end of this episode, I consider the political system that a lot of people think might be a good idea for the world, and that's the political system in which we all love each other, you know, no borders and all that sort of thing. And I think it's a good idea, in theory, if everyone uh, would agree to just love each other, we'd all be fine, you know. John Lennon taught me that. All you need is love. Now, now obviously, I've, yeah, I've talked about that before and um, yeah, I thought it was a load of rubbish in previous episodes, but, you know, I'm, I actually give it a decent consideration again. At the end of this episode, you know, because, you know, like at Harry and Megan's wedding, um, that bishop that was at that wedding looked really confident. He, you know, he said, you know, at that wedding, he looked at, he said, look at these two people here. They love each other. And if only all the world could be like that, we'd all be fine, you know. So, you know, I took from that as long as, you know, um, every one of us, yeah, if, if, if every one of us could be a, um, a movie star and a prince getting married and, and, and be mega rich and all that sort of stuff and be able to hire a bishop across from America and um, have a, um, a church full of <laughs> hyper-rich people, um, it, then, if, you know, just look at Harry and Meghan. They're happy, are they not? Now, um, anyway, I consider that towards the end of the episode. I give it a decent consideration. Um, if we could all just love one another then we'd all be fine, you know. And, um, you know, and if you're a progressive, for example, you might say if we could all just be progressive together, everything would be fine, you know. And, and I think this idea, you know, if you're just sitting by yourself meditating and you're thinking about this, you know, uh, you, know you could be overcome by a sense of, you know, humanity. You, know, you, you could have a vision of humanity and you could say, gee, you know what, that would work. That could work. You know, Beethoven, I mentioned that later in the episode, I think. Sorry, I got interrupted. Um, a phone call incoming. Um, yeah, Beethoven sat there at his piano and he wrote his Ninth Symphony because he was having a moment, I think, you know. We could all love each other and this would make the world a wonderful place and a few people thought that sort of thing back in, back in those days too, you know, the French Revolution, all that sort of stuff, liberty, egality, fraternity and all that sort of stuff. The, the only... The problem is, you know, when you step outside your door, when you leave your piano, piano or you leave your meditation session and you actually run into real people, you, the whole shit fight comes crashing down, you know, because you actually meet people. And I'm talking people everywhere in the world, you know. You, you know if, if, you, if you spend any time with actual humans, you know, I, I don't mean sitting alone thinking about humanity as an idea, you know, what people could be if they all thought like you, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that if you interact with real humans, you, you quickly uh, discover, oh, my goodness, no, this is never going to work, you know. For example, if, for example, if I'm a progressive and I'm saying, you know, racism stops with me and all this sort of stuff, you know, pretty quickly I sort of start to realise that, oh, yeah. Or forget racism, you know. If I, if I wanted everyone to be progressive and I just have to, all I have to do is convince my fellow man to be progressive, you know, you just interact with a few people for a while um, and you find that half the world's conservative and there's nothing that, you know, you, uh, you can't do anything about that. You're stuck. And whatever political system you put in place, it's going to have to accommodate conservative people who are going to be, who are determined who are going to be determined to stay conservative forever. You can't do anything about it. You know, and if you killed them all, you know, a whole lot of new babies would be, born, would be born and half of them would grow up conservative. It's in their nature. And, and then you start to think, oh, I, I got ahead of myself there a little bit. You know, I thought I could make the whole world like me. Oh, I think I've been a little bit egotistical there. You know, and, um, and, and you've got petty people, you know, and you, there's nothing you can do about that. And you've got pedantic people like me, you know, and you've got um, just horrible people, and you've got careless people, and you've got, you know, you've got beautiful people too and wonderful people, but you've got inconsiderate people. Now, how's love? 
going to solve how you're going to stop inconsiderate people becoming considerate people and uh, actually there actually um just a second will i be able to find it i'm sure i will be able to just give me a second there's an example of this you know like coronavirus we've got this whole coronavirus and i'm pretty interested in that at the moment because it might kill me and my family now um coronavirus uh i've got it here um now coronavirus is an interesting thing you know how how, you know, you sort of think, oh, if all the world was no borders and, you know, we had a sort of anarchy, you know, some political system like that. I love anarchy, you know, is what I call it later in the episode. You know, how would the world react to coronavirus? Well, obviously, everyone would voluntarily self-quarantine because they're very caring about, you know, not giving the virus to someone else and all that sort of thing. And people would be very considerate and all that sort of stuff. You know, you sort of sit at your piano writing your ninth symphony and you're sort of thinking, yes, you know, um, in such a world where there was no borders and no nations, um, people, you know, and we had got the message out there that everyone should be progressive and loving, um, and everyone will have, would have listened to the bishop at Harry and Megan's wedding, um, you know, it would work. You know, coronavirus would hit. Everyone would just retreat, retreat into their houses and be very considerate of each other and not riot and fight for, you know, um, diminishing food supplies and all this. You know, there's all the supermarkets, you know, the shelves might be empty and all that sort of stuff. And people say, well, you know, we've only got one loaf of bread left for our whole street. Let's all have half a slice each. People would do all this sort of stuff. Um, now, this is good in theory, but in practice, it wouldn't happen. You know? Now, we're containing this, you know, and, oh, the evidence of that, um, there's, a, there's a hotel, and I, I, I think it's a nice hotel, um, uh, you know, probably expensive hotel, and it's been uh, locked down unexpectedly. People woke up in the hotel, yeah, they're all off at you know, a fancy hotel somewhere, Tenerife. You know, I can't even remember where Tenerife is. I'm not sure. um, anyway, here's the headline. Coronavirus, Tenerife hotel guests horrified by conditions. You know, A British guest at a hotel in Tenerife. You know, it sounds Spain, doesn't it? But, you know, it could be anywhere. Or Italian, you know. Um, which has been placed in quarantine, quarantine has told Newsnight on the BBC you know, that she was horrified by the conditions. Selena Lund said hundreds of people were queuing together for food and fellow guests were not following hygiene rules to prevent the spread of the virus. Global cases of the virus have passed 80,000, the vast majority in China. But can you see what's happened there? She's been thrown together with real people, not with humanity. Now, we happen to have big brother style systems all over the world and we're containing the virus fairly well china's done a fairly good job yeah after ignoring the virus for the first week or two by the look of it but the point is china seems to be all okay what happens is you know like northern italy there's tenerife probably in italy yeah because that's where a lot of coronavirus problems have been happening so i would i'll just take a bet that tenerife is in Italy. It doesn't really matter where it is for the purpose of this episode. But what is happening all over the world? You know, like Australia, we've got this big brother system where um, where suddenly other people can just force you to stay in your house. You know, you sort of think, hey, that's not the love option, you might be thinking. You know, we dream of a, of a world where we didn't have the possibility of a government coming and just locking me in my house because I've got a virus. Leave it to me. I love my fellow man. I don't need to be locked in my house. Well, you do. You know, or if you don't, uh, then a lot of people do. Um, people need to be forced to be nice. So whatever system you've got in place in the world, it has to be a system where people are forced to be nice. You know, for example, you know, so we shut the borders with um, against Chinese travel. Um, we don't allow Chinese people to travel to Australia. Now, it's not racist or anything. I mean, just don't want the virus, you know. And we have to force Chinese people to not come here. Otherwise, they would come and risk us. You know, the absolute bastards like that, the Chinese, as are the rest of us. You know, for example, um, these hotel guests in Tenerife, you know. And, you know, Italy, for example, uh, yeah, Venice got locked down. And no one's allowed to travel in or out of Venice at the moment. Um, and it's not because, you know, we haven't implemented a love anarchy across the world yet, you know. If you know, you might argue. Well, if we had a, we had have got an, a love anarchy in place, 
um, we wouldn't have had to shut down Venice because everyone would have willingly stayed in Venice and not travelled, you know, in order to be considerate of the rest of the world and not pass the virus around. You know, bullshit. <laughs> people are never going... People aren't like that. People are horrible. Petty more, you know, they're petty mostly. Look, I don't think people are evil, but their pettiness and their selfishness is huge. You, know, you can say, oh, 80% of people are good, you know, but 80%, perhaps 90%, perhaps 95% of people have some level of selfishness and pettiness at least. You know, maybe 98% of people in the world are fairly selfish and petty. You know, and I'll give an example later. There was, a, you know, at the height of the coronavirus scare, you know, before we locked our borders against China, um, uh, you know, there was a chance that, um, you know, because Chinese people were coming out of China and there was huge coronavirus issues in China and people were coming from China and landing in Australia and people got fearful of people who looked Chinese for that first 14 or 27 days before we locked the borders. Right, now, you know, and a, a bloke got onto social media. I saw, a, a, I saw a picture of it, went onto the mainstream news, and he held a sign in front of him. He's Chinese looking, and he says, I am not a virus. You know? And this is how petty can be. People, selfish people can be. You know, he's being selfish there. All he's thinking about is, you know, oh, I feel I'm being a bit discriminated against. He has no consideration at all for people who are worried about catching the disease. You know, what we're saying there. He's holding this sign, I am not a virus. Well, we didn't say you are a virus. You know, we're saying you might have one. He said, I don't have never been to China. But yes, but we don't know that because you look Chinese. So the odds on you having to be to China, you know, if we don't know you, are higher than the odds on, you know, some Arab having to be been to China in the last week, you know. It's not about you, mister, you know, holding your little sign up, you know, I am not a virus. Stop playing the victim and the sook. You know, it, not everything's about you. Is this the way young people are going these days? You know, you know everything, I am not a virus, you know. I am a human being. I am not the elephant man. Everyone thinks that they're being accused of being the elephant man these days. You know, I am a human being, you know. Shut up. We're only worried about um, the virus spreading here. We don't think you're a virus, idiot. You know, this is the way I think. You know, that's why I'm being honest what I thought as I was looking at this guy. You know, I was saying, you're a selfish pig. You know, I was saying, no, we're not saying you're a virus. Put down your sign, you know. Um, put down your little sign. Get off social media and just be, you know, um, be glad. You know, be glad that, you know, want people. You need to want people to avoid you for your Chinese looks. You know, because you care more about their safety than your precious little, you know, concern that you're feeling feelings of racism in yourself and all that sort of stuff. You know, okay, yeah, kind of grow up or something, you know, get considerate, you know, join the love anarchy. <laughs> all right, on with the episode. And I recorded all of the stuff coming up earlier, you know, but I just felt like a, a Jonathan Pye-style rat there. That was enjoyable. I don't normally do that. It's actually quite fun. I should do that. I should do a whole podcast on that. Salt shakers. Um, my GD and I, when we go for lunch and we're talking politics, we use salt and pepper shakers. Uh, now, um, and sometimes we need salt and pepper shakers from the other tables to um, make sense of the way the institutions of world politics are all set up, you know. And, um, yeah, and for example, in Australian politics, you know, we'd have one salt shaker, which would be the Governor-General, you know, and a pepper shaker who might be Parliament, you know. Um, and uh, a sugar bowl that would be the judiciary and so on, you know. Um, or, you know, maybe we'll have two pepper shakers, you know, for the upper and lower house. Things like that. Yeah. Um, so we'd put them over there on the left of the table. But then we might, you know, look at the United Nations and we'd get a whole lot of other salt shakers, pepper shakers, and, you know, raiding other tables. And we'd have a salt shaker for the UN. Uh, uh, the institutions inside the UN. The UN. <coughs> and, um, you yeah, know, and there might be 
a salt shaker for over on the right hand side of the table a salt shaker for the UN Security Council and a pepper shaker for the World Health Organization and stop ah, that brings me to today's episode uh, so you know there's salt shakers and pepper shakers over there and salt shakers and pepper shakers over there uh, UN you know international law is over here on the right and um, and Australia's national law is all over there on the left. You know, that was a sugar bowl. You know, there's a sugar bowl, which is our law, over on the left. And there's a sugar bowl, which is um, international law and all that sort of stuff over on the right. And the World Health Organization, that's all over on the right. Everything to do with, you know, um, world bodies. Now, um, so... Uh, we're all waiting for the World Health Organization to declare this coronavirus thing a pandemic. You know, we expect it to come. Uh, but today, Australia got in first. You know, like, if, in, if national law fell under international law, I've discussed national law and international law. I was upset by national law versus international law once because my football team, Essendon, uh, you know, we were uh, found, you know, we had nothing to answer for in Australia. Yeah. Um, no one in, no salt, pepper or sugar shaker in Australia, well, no sugar shaker anyway, uh, no sugar bowl in Australia was um, comfortably satisfied that our players in Essendon should go down, you know, because we were accused of um, drug uh, drug problems, you know, drug um, mishandling, whatever you want to call it. I can't bring myself to say it, can I? <laughs> you know, um, but, um, you know, and Australian law said, no, nah, there's not enough here to send... Essendon football players away for this one. Um, you know, there's no proof. Um, and ASADA, which is our national body, uh, you know, national, you know, over on the left of the table, kicked it up to the international sports bodies, you know, WADA, World Anti Doping Association. So, you know, ASADA got it kicked up, you know, and um, to the international, to um, Geneva. The international system, you know, because there's always the world stuff, you know, world the world making decisions on Australia's behalf versus Australia making decisions on Australia's behalf. Now, if we had just ignored the world, you know, international law, if you want, or international, you know, jurisdictions such as the world sporting sort of bodies, you know, um, WADA and all of that, you know, you know international sport, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The most corrupt salt shaker on the planet, international sport, um, coming in with the moral high ground uh, to rule on something that's happening within Australia. Um, oh, signatories, 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 you know. But anyway, so what we had is a, a less corrupt system, the system we have in Australia, being overridden by a more corrupt system, international law, you know. An international sort of um, jurisdiction, anyway, you know, water, yeah. um, and our players got sent away. Geneva decided whether Essendon players should be banned for a, a season or whatever it was, you know, and they were banned. You know, and I would have said, let's just get rid of water. Let's just make our own laws here in Australia. Well, all right, yes. International law is there for a reason, you know, but you know. This brings me to today's, to today's salt shaker, salt and pepper shaker sort of um, uh, curiosity. Um, so we have a sugar bowl over, you know, some sort of sugar bowl over there on the right-hand side of the table. The World Health Organization, World Health Organization, you know. And, you know, I'm sure some people think, oh, well, the world must be higher than national, you know, because world is the whole world. It's a big world, you know, and nations are inside the world, aren't they? You know, when you look at a map, you know, the world's bigger than a nation, isn't it? So surely there's the world at the top and then the nations all, you know, fall in line with the world. You know, um, you know it's like an organisational structure, isn't it? World at the top and then, you know, all the nations underneath and, 
you know, everyone's sitting around wondering whether Tedros in the World Health Organization is going to do, when he is going to declare this coronavirus thing a pandemic. And then Australia today, you know, declared it a, well, well, we've effectively declared it, we've pulled the trigger. We've effectively declared the coronavirus a pandemic. But even the World Health Organization hasn't come. So this is, you know, this is why um, uh, all the salt and pepper and shakers and the sugar bowls and everything of Australia are on the same table as all the sugar and the sugar bowls and the salt and pepper shakers and all that sort of stuff of the world, you know, of international law and so on. International law and politics is one body. Australian law and all that sort of stuff isn't underneath that, you know. You know, we're signatories to this and we're signatories to that, you know, and we kind of say, yeah, we'll do that. But any time it doesn't suit us, we just ignore it anyway. You know, so signatory, schmignatory, you know, to a very large extent. And every country's like that. You know, we agree to play the game according to world health, oh, sorry, world, you know, world politics and law. Um... But only when it suits, only while it suits us, and as soon as it doesn't suit us, we just don't. Anyway, I think we've surprised Australia has surprised the world. You know, the world body. Um, our national salt and pepper shakers and sugar bowls um, have surprised the world. Salt and pepper shakers and sugar bowls by calling it early. We didn't have to wait for them, and you know, it's a little gentle reminder that. Um, that an individual nation can decide what's a fact. It is a fact that in Australia, right now, coronavirus is a pandemic. Yeah, or effectively so, you know. Um, when, when our government declares a pandemic, it pull, it's a pulling a trigger on all sorts of actions that can happen now. New powers come into play, you know, new contingency plans can kick into gear, all that sort of stuff, it opens doors. Um, so, so that's that. I, I find that an interesting one on the salt and pepper shaker sort of level. You know? Um, you know, if you just decide something's right or something's a fact or something's law, you know, if we just decide that we've got a pandemic, um, if, if someone in my local suburb saying, oh, that's ridiculous, that's not a pandemic, you know, um, we should wait for the World Health Organization to declare it a pandemic or not. You know, we say, well, it doesn't matter whether you think it's a fact or not. Uh, we just declared it a fact. It doesn't matter you know, what you think is a fact. We can just decide things are, are a fact, you know. And that's the way salt and pepper shakers work. I like that one. Yeah. Um, oh, I think I... Now, I'll just check. I think I made a text. Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, I made a few comments on a text to my GD. Okay, and I just wrote, salt shakers. Australia has effectively declared pandemic, even though UN, via WHO, hasn't. And there is no international law that can stop us. The BBC is talking about it. That's where I heard it. Um, We are first, by looks of, and we are probably going to force everyone else to follow suit. What I mean by that is a little faster than they were going to. Um, International law falling in behind one nation's national law. And then I've just added this little thing. This is why England wanted to Brexit, for the sovereignty in deciding what's true or not. We don't have to get anyone else's permission to decide what's a fact or not. We can force facts. And so on and so forth, you know. And this is, you know, this is what, you know, we got used to this with the refugee crisis, didn't we? You know, because people were running around like headless chooks here in Australia saying, you can't put people on Manus, you know, and um, whatever the other one, Nauru, you know. You can't put refugees on Manus Island and Nauru. You absolutely can't, you know. International law says you have to process them here in Australia, you know. And I had people telling me that. They're looking me in the face, saying, we can't do this, you know. We cannot do this. And um, to that, all I could say, it sounds like you're talking something to do with international law. Now, as it turns out, we passed legislation um, that... that uh, gave ourselves permission to. We didn't have to ask the international community. So when you say we can't, how does that fit in with the fact that we did? You know, and that's how international law 
can be lower than national law. You might not like it, and you might even say crazy things like, that can't be done, but it's really hard to reconcile the idea of that can't be done with the fact that sometimes that thing was just done. I'm not actually an expert on international law and all that stuff. I'm just a bloke in a coffee shop. But, um, yeah, I, I think there are some salt and pepper shakers on the um, international side of the table that have no equivalent on the national side. Yeah. And, um, and I think one of those is the, the you know, sort of what you might call international law governing trade agreements between countries. You know, you can't have that on a national level, can you? As far as I can tell. Um, and would this be the World Trade Organization and all that sort of stuff? Um, so, uh, and um, Donald Trump got us upset. Not me personally, I don't get upset on anything. Uh, but got up Australia upset recently uh, because this business of, you know, everyone, every, every uh, nation for itself um, can leave countries like Australia uh, in the shit <laughs> because we're too small. And, um, you know, when someone like Donald Trump comes along, uh, you know, and, and we think we've got a special alliance with America. You know, we've fought side by side with America in every war. Um, is that true? Every international law that America's ever been? I think that's true. Well, not their civil war. We, we didn't get involved in that, I don't think. Uh, I don't know what the situation is on that because we were involved in their war of independence ah but they weren't the they weren't the united states of america yet then were they and we were on the other side anyway look anyway um you know we we've all these years you know we think we've got this special alliance with america you know and this is two nations just striking a deal you know uh between the two of them you know which is nation versus nation it's not exactly what you would call some international body getting involved and um and, and ruling you know and um playing umpire or anything like that it's just one country you know deciding to make friends with another country you know and um but then you get someone like donald trump comes along and um and who would sell his own grandmother down the river for a buck you know, and if he reckons he can make a big deal, uh, a good deal out of Russia or something, he'd probably sell us down the river, his mates, and do a deal with Russia if he thought it was in America's interests. And um, say thanks for all the, you know, thanks for all the support for the last couple hundred years, Australia. But um, yeah, you're only offering, you know, one trillion and five dollars benefit to us, and uh, Russia was offering us one trillion and ten dollars with in, uh, benefit for us. So see you later, guys, and and then we, you know, and then we're in a lot of trouble now. Um, so international law is important, you know. So I was being a bit facetious earlier, uh, yeah. But you know, it's a, it's a constant balancing act. Sometimes I like international law, and sometimes I don't. I like it when it works in my favour. Um, well, for example, imagine if um, Australian law was trying to put our Essendon players away. Yeah, I might have argued to kick it up to Geneva and get the world body, you know, WADA or whatever, to make a ruling and overturn that and get our players back on the field, and then I would have loved WADA, you know. And I would have hated our Supreme Court, for example. Well, no, I don't think I would. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty patriotic, you know, to our own institutions, for better or worse, you know. I'm kind of, but um, having said that, you know, sometimes I sway in the direction of international law, sometimes in the direction of national law. But I don't, I really don't see one of them as being above another. Um, yeah, you know, oh, look, I've got this friend, you know, who says international law. You know, she's very much into that. You know, and um, and, and she says, you know, nations can't do X, Y, and Z if international law says nations can't do X, Y, and Z. She says, they just can't, and that's what I was sort of saying before. You know, 
well, if they actually do it, then they could. You know, and to say they can't, is, that doesn't make much sense. Look, what I think she's saying is it's not right that we should go against international law. Uh, but <laughs> who decides what's right, you know? Um, and then she might say it's not morally right. And I say, oh, God. <laughs> You know, the further the further you go in that direction, the more boring it gets. You know, because the law, the world doesn't run like that. Um, but um, anyway, so that's now. What was the one that annoyed Australia recently? Not necessarily annoyed me. I don't get annoyed. Uh, but um, we had two, or we have um, two disputes uh, lodged with. Uh, the international world trade body which i think is the world trade organization or however that works you know i'm not an expert and um i think uh yeah i think it was canada has been ripping us off on wine and uh india has been ripping us off on something else and i forget it was well i forget what it was uh, um sugar maybe let's just say it was sugar might have been salt yeah. might have been pepper um but uh, so we had Canada ripping us off, you know, as far as we were concerned, and India ripping us off on something else. And we had two um, two causes of action, whatever you might want to call it, two disputes lodged, uh, waiting to be heard in the international, you know, trade sort of umpiring body. Okay. And we were trying to get that up. Now, that international, you know, panel of judges in the World Trade Organization or wherever it is, um, I think it needs X number of judges to rule. Uh, but before, uh, and I think one or two might have died or resigned or something. And so there w- wasn't enough judges to hear our case, for example, and lots of other cases too. And this is a very important international body as far as we Australians are concerned. Well, right now it is, you know, because they were, you know, it mattered, it it was, that body was working in our favour, you know, so we care about it. If it's not working in our favour, we might dump on it, you know, like, um, like, um, like China, you know, has been doing with the South China Sea, you know, they just completely ignore um, international law. And also um, Israel, with respect to the settlements um, on Palestinian land, you know, and um, uh, and yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, the settle, you know, the illegal settlements, as you might call it, under international law, at least Israel just said, "Oh well, we're just going to build there anyway." You know, to hell with the Palestinians and all that sort of stuff. We'll ignore international law, and then eventually, international law says, "Well, it's a foregone conclusion after all, isn't it? There's nothing we can do." All right, uh, international law agrees with. Oh, excuse me, uh, someone just walking past me on the street, and who knows? It could be a Jew. It <laughs> uh, was a joke. No, it wasn't. Now, um. And international law recently, uh, I thought, or was it just America arguing for this? You know, Donald Trump, bit of an Israeli lover, uh, arguing that oh well, it's a foregone conclusion, so we might as well, you know, we might as well go with the practicality the, the, uh, that exists on the ground, you know, um, and say all right, it's okay. And, you know, Donald Trump even said, oh, all right, you know, we've had this sort of system where we don't put an embassy in. Jerusalem, we, we all the embassies are in Tel Aviv, but nah, Donald Trump said, nah, let's build one in. You know, let's just make. Donald Trump always says, let's just, I'll just do whatever I feel like, you know. Now, we want, you know, this is how it all works, you know. So Donald Trump is um, an institution smasher. That's his job, you know, that's his. Um, that's his habit. He likes smashing salt and pepper shakers and sugar bowls. He smashes them wherever he can find them, as long as he's the last, as long as he's the last salt shaker left. You know, it's all he cares about, by the look of it. You know, um, and he's prepared to smash all the salt and sugar and pepper, salt and sh- pepper shakers and sugar bowls and everything in the in international on the international side of the table. Um, anyway. Um, we needed a few judges appointed to this World Trade judging panel, you know. And 
Uh, Donald Trump seems to have blocked it. I don't know how he did that, but apparently he did. And we were upset about that, but there wasn't anything we could do because we're too small and um, we, we aren't even a permanent member or whatever we need to be in the UN and all that sort of stuff. And we simply can't get our cases heard. And the Canadians and Indian, Indians are probably quite happy about that. And we're fuming. You know, this is where international bodies are important, you know, when they are working in your favour. Um, So we just choose whichever law suits us best and doesn't everybody. Well, no, (laughs) not everybody, not you. (laughs) You might be, um, you might might subscribe to the idea that um, everybody might, you know, there should be a world order in which we all love each other, you know. Those um, salt and pepper shakers and the salt and the, uh, and, oh, and those sugar bowls on the left, you know, the national ones, you know. Well, why even have nations, you know? Sweep, uh, go and put all those salt and pepper shakers and sugar bowls on the other tables again and we'll just have the international one. Yeah, the, all the international ones, you know, and uh, bring them into the middle of the table and, and uh, you know... Um, uh, no borders, you know, because um, nations, the idea of nations, that's artificial anyway. Um, we didn't always have nations, you know, that's a pretty new idea. Well, you know, we don't have to have that, we can have tribes, you know, or we can just have one humanity, um, all on the same page, you know, and, 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 the, and that is absolutely true. And I've got this slight suspicion, actually, that modern technology, technology, as long as something like this coronavirus or something, or a virus like it another day in history, coming up in future history, um, as long as one of those viruses doesn't turn us all into um, savages once again, uh, which, you know, these sorts of things can turn the whole human race into savages Oh, once again, we've been there before and we'll probably be there again. You know, it's, it's kind of, you know, this thing where you feel, sometimes you feel like get rid of all the nations, you know, get, all, get rid of all those salt and pepper shakers and sugar bowls. Um, just bring everything into the middle of the table. Everyone on the same page. We're all humans, you know. And we won't even call it international world law because there, there's no nations. So there's no such word as international. We're just one humanity. And all this sort of stuff, you know. And we're all working together. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just put aside the fact that <laughs> almost certainly a dictator would rise up and just uh, take control of the whole lot, you know. And Napoleon took only Europe, you know, because that's all he had access to. But if there was only one world order back then, he would have taken the whole world in one fell swoop. Sweep? Swoop. Um, and, um, you know, Julius Caesar, the same, would have marched across the Rubicon, grabbed Rome, and, um, and, and, and Rome wouldn't have been in charge of only the Roman Empire, it would have been in charge of the whole planet, you know. And Alexander, you know, likewise, these guys, all you would have to ta- do is take central control of a single world order, you know, because that's what a lot of people want, a single world order, get rid of all the borders. You know, there's been plenty of, uh, Great leaders, as you might call them, you know, bloodthirsty dictators, as you might call them, in the past, um, who would love, would have loved um, a whole lot of progressives, let's say, um, to get rid of all the borders, you know, because one, the only thing that held back people like Napoleon and Caesar and all these people um, was the fact that there were borders, both natural and, you know, sort of empire-ish you know, semi-national, you know. Um, the only thing that held them back, there were these sort of limitations, you know, when you when you took, uh, when you did take something, you know, when Alexander did take Egypt, he, he didn't automatically have Ethiopia and the whole of Africa, you know. Uh, he had to conquer something, but then there were still other lands to conquer, you know, and... Um, Progressives, you know, they they do tend to sort of suggest that we could have one single world order, one humanity, and all that sort of thing. Everyone working together, and um, 
it starts off that way, you know. Imagine if, imagine if you could click your fingers and get that into place. There's a lot of people in this world who would click their fingers, you know, and um, it would look good for a little while, you know, but then you know, suddenly Donald Trump would get in, you know, and just start saying, everybody, my rules, you know. Uh, it would happen, you know. And um, it's careful what you wish for and all those sorts of things, you know. And some people wish for... some. It's a kind of anarchy, I suppose, they're after. A love anarchy. Oh, I should make that the title of this episode. I think I will. A, a, a love anarchy. That's, that's suddenly growing on my mind. Yeah, that's appealing to me. I, I may not use that as a title for this episode, and yet I may. Um, all right, um, and, uh, (laughs) the trouble with idealism, I suppose, as you might call it, is, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, humanity's a funny thing. Humanity is lovely, but humans aren't. You know, Beethoven found this. He, Beethoven was um, swept away by the idea of how wonderful humanity could be, in theory, you know. Um, and I think his idealism only um, stayed strong when he wasn't interacting with actual humans. <laughs> so humanity, yep. You know, when I sit by myself at my piano writing a symphony... I think about humanity and I think about, wow, it could be all brotherhood, you know, and fraternity and liberty or something, you know, or anarchy, whatever, or love anarchy, you know. I, you know, as I sit here writing a, a, a pop song that will sweep the world, you know, we are seven billion souls. Um, and we, all be- we are all beautiful. We are beautiful. You, know, you, you kind of, you know, when you're not actually interacting with other humans, you kind of think... That sounds plausible, you know, but the fact, the problem is, and the reason we have salt shakers and pepper shakers and, um, and, and um, sugar bowls, and they don't have to be the ones I described before, you know, national ones and international ones. They, they can be, you know, the old city-states of ancient Athens and empires like Rome, and they can be, you know, all sorts of things. They can be tribal. Um, they can be all sorts of different things, but, um, but it, you know, uh, the reason we have them is, and I think the Greeks described this, I don't know which one of them it was, I always say it's Socrates if I don't know, that man is divided against himself and herself and itself. And this is a slight problem, you know, people say, oh, if only we were all progressive, you know, oh, yeah, if wishes were fishes, I mean, we're not, you know. And other people say, if only we were all conservative, you know, we're not, you know. Yeah, whatever system you've got, to go, whatever system you've got, You've got to try... I don't know that there's any way around getting in place some sort of set of institutions, whether that's, you know, the ancient primitive sort of royalty ideas um, or, you know, more sophisticated non-royalty ideas like republics and all that sort of stuff, Um, or, you know, the ancient city-states like Athens and... Sparta and all this sort of business. I don't know what the salt shakers and the best set of salt shakers and pepper shakers. You know, maybe it's a balance between nations and international law. Oh my goodness, that's what we've got. You know, who knows what the best system is? It really doesn't matter. You know, you might say, let's, let's just get rid of what we've got in the world and start with something new. You know, you sort of start thinking, what? And whatever it is that you think, you know, you want to get a whole new set of salt shakers and pepper shakers and sugar bowls in place. All right, go on, sweep it all away. Sweep away the idea of nations. Sweep away the idea of international law, of course, you know, because international implies lots of nations, um, you know, trying to make deals with each other and all this sort of business. Um, Sweep away all that. Put put your new thing in place, whatever it is, you know. But you're going to end up, I think you're going to end up with salt shakers and pepper shakers and um, sugar bowls one way or another because you can't have a sort of nice homogenous anarchy of some sort because people are different. You, know? you, you can have it, but not with humans. You, know? you can have this idea of humanity as long as it's got no humans involved. 
because we are an imperfect species, massively imperfect. And uh, oh, uh, now hang on, I did have this in mind a little bit, and then I forgot. Now I've remembered again. Um, you know, case in point, you know, coronavirus, you know, which is going, you know, which is dominating my episodes all of a sudden because it's a big thing. You know, it might kill me, it might kill my whole family. I don't want to see my whole family die, but you know, I'm going to. T- I've already started taking steps to make sure that has, doesn't happen. You know, um, yeah, when it, when it first hit, I was avoiding Asian people for the first fourteen or twenty-seven days. You know, because that was smart. It wasn't racist. It was smart. You know, because um, I work in Box Hill, which is. Uh, you know, which is little China. In fact, it's fairly big China. And, you know, there's constant international travel between areas in which I work and China. And, you know, quite a few people of those, quite a, as far as I was concerned, it was more likely that people around me in Box Hill uh, would have, uh, might have, might have, coronavirus than people around me in Essendon because very few people in Essendon where I live travel to China. Okay, that's just maths. It's not racism, it's maths. You know, oh, we've, we've got this thing at the moment um, where uh, uh, in one of our hospitals some there's, there's reports that some parents are asking for non-Asian doctors to treat them. Now, I think that's stupid because we're well past the 14 days now and the 27 days and all the you know, and the planes haven't been flying. Um, China has been cordoned off, you know. So well, there's no risk. Like right now, if I walk through Box Hill, I don't care whether someone's Asian or Euro. makes no difference. It was only in that first 14 days, 27 days. The maths of it was that an Asian-looking person, racially racial profiling style, was more dangerous, you know, Risk-wise, you know, if you just plain old risk management like you do at work, you know, as part of your project management, just plain old risk management, nothing to do with um, uh, nothing to do with racism or anything like that, or it's nothing personal, not personal, you know, Chinese people. Um, it was, um, it was there, there was um, logic in it, mathematics-wise, to stay clear of Chinese people just for the first 14 or 27 days because there was more chance that those people had been to China recently or had been in contact with people who had been to China recently, you know, just when coronavirus hit. You know, when it first hit, you know, at that point in time... It wasn't racist to avoid people who looked Chinese. It wasn't racist to racially profile people and avoid people who were Chinese-looking just for that first 14 or 27 days. Well, not all Chinese people. If you knew them, if you knew them, and you knew they hadn't been to China, and you know, and for example, you knew that they had been Aussies for the last 180 years since the gold rush and were more more Aussie than yourself. Well, of course you wouldn't avoid them. They're just like you, you know what I mean? It's nothing to do with their facial features, that they look a bit Chinese. doesn't matter. You know, I'm talking about Chinese people you didn't know. It made mathematical sense. It wasn't racism, it was mathematics. All right, statistics, if you've ever done statistics. If you haven't done any statistics, if you, if you don't understand statistics, then by all means call it racism. But there's something, if you're stupid, you know, if you haven't got a brain, if you can't do maths, if you can't add two and two, you know, if you're one of those people, great, call it racism. I'm not going to get offended because I can't even hear you because I'm not on social media and I don't buy into all that. I'm just telling you the way it is, you know. Now, um, but after the first 14 or 27 days wore off, you know, I did a whole episode back then, you know, when in the heat of the possibility that people, racial profiling style, um, you know, uh, Chinese features-wise, were a bit more dangerous than people who weren't Chinese features, you know. Um, and, you know, back then, I was holding my breath as I walked past Chinese people in Box Hill. Uh, but then again, so were Chinese people. Uh, and I know this because normally Chinese people are spilling out of all the restaurants in Box Hill, and they were avoiding Chinese restaurants, you know. So, you know, if I was avoiding Chinese people... Um, you know, you could call that racism instead of mathematics. You know, you might be desperate to call it racism because you're just dying to. Um, but then, you know, if Chinese people are avoiding Chinese people, what are you going to call that? Quick, what are you going to call it? Quick, you know, don't hesitate, just tell me. <laughs> what are you going to call it? You're going to call it racism? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Which brings me to the hospital. Um, there's some people at the moment apparently asking for 
uh, non-Chinese-looking medicos, you know, doctors, nurses, whatever, health professionals, to look after their children. It's the Royal Children's Hospital. That's where it is. And, um, and people are outraged. Um, now, I haven't heard the details. I actually tried to read an article on it, but it was behind a paywall. Don't you hate it the way uh, newspapers can be behind a paywall? Oh, well, they were back in the old days too, you know, on the stands. That was a paywall too. You had to buy the paper, didn't you? All right, so, yeah. Um, okay, I get that. But the point is I didn't have a dime <laughs> to get behind that paywall and read the whole article. But I don't know exactly the details, you know. But look... I don't have to. Um, there are people out there um, who are saying that if a family, for example, takes their children to the Royal Children's Hospital and um, and uh, asks for a non-Chinese-looking doctor, that that's racist, you know. Now... You know, without you know, if you if you don't think if if you're not if you haven't got your thinking caps on, you might say absolutely true. Uh, to which I would say, hang on, have you checked that the person asking for a non-Chinese looking doctor? Have you checked whether that person, if whether the, have you checked whether that family is Chinese? Uh, oh, uh, <clears throat> I hadn't considered that possibility. Say says the person who just accused that family of being racist. No, no, no. You said they were racist. Absolutely, for sure. You know, you said that family was racist. The one that family who asked for a non-Chinese-looking doctor. Um, you know, and, and preferred a Euro one or an Arab one, anything but a Chinese person. I bet you assumed they weren't Chinese, didn't you? And and you said they were Chinese. I heard you. Um, now, do you want to change your verdict, given that they are Chinese? Um, yeah, they have racially profiled. They they have requested racial profiling, um, and they are Chinese. Now you can call it anything you want, but you can't call that Chinese racism. Now, if, if 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 the motivation of that per, that family who is Chinese, you know, and. Look, there would be one family, and I only need one to prove my point, who would prefer not to be seen by a Chinese doctor. Now, if there is only one Chinese family who doesn't want to be seen by a, a Chinese doctor not known to them, um, and then there's a non-Chinese person that wants the same thing, uh, how do you know their motivations aren't the same? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, but then, then you know, people counter that with, oh, look, I'm just talking in general. Ah, you didn't say in general before. Ah, so, with, with, you know, you're, you're coming back a little bit from your argument. All right, there you go. Well, I agree with that, you know. Some people who request non... You know, some people in that situation would be racist. I'm not saying they wouldn't be. I'm just saying not all of them would be. You are generalising. See, um, people on the people arguing for all the best things often accuse you know, other people of generalising. You know, um, you know, one one Muslim terrorist, and you know, um, they say all Muslims are terrorists. You know what I mean? That 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 would like if you if if you were to say, ah, oh, you know, um, uh, uh, I think there was a um, there was the CEO of Ryanair. The airline uh, said recently that you know stats show that most terrorist attacks of an airline nature are single uh, Arab-looking males or Muslim-looking males, whatever that means, you know. And Muslims do have a look. Sorry, they do. Now, and he was suggesting racial profiling based on the statistics, nothing personal, you know. And he said, I remember him saying, 30 years ago it was the Irish doing all the bombing, you know. At the moment it's the Muslim-looking people doing bombing. I think we should do racial profiling uh, when we are checking bags. And uh, he got howled down, of course, howled down. Um, but, you know, um, well, I think he's wrong too, unless it's my family. Like... Um. Anyway, yeah. Look, what would you do if you put your children into the Royal Children's Hospital um, two days after the coronavirus hit, and um, two doctors presented, and your child? This is your child. You take it to the Royal Children's Hospital, and two doctors are offered to you. One is one hundred percent Chinese looking, 
Yeah. And the other is 100% Arab looking. All right. You've got two doctors in front of you. Now, you've got your little, your beautiful little child there. Beautiful to you. We all think our own children are beautiful, but you know, the apple of your eye. Now, you've got two doctors there. This is two days after coronavirus hit. Now, you've just heard that China tried to cover up the coronavirus for a while. So you know that a lot of Chinese and probably hundreds of thousands of Chinese people have travelled overseas from China and Wuhan province in particular. Uh, A whole lot of Chinese people got out of China before China admitted that they had a virus problem. Okay, and and just now China has finally admitted it and they said we should have called this earlier but um, we've got a big problem in Houston and um, we, uh, heaps of Chinese people have already flown overseas and they're all over the world. Okay, now you have just presented at Royal Children's Hospital and they said, listen, we've got two, do- two doctors here on offer f- for you. Which do you choose? Now, if you say, I don't care which, well, yeah, and I'm talking two days after the virus was announced, yeah, and before uh, plane travel was banned from China and all that sort of stuff. Right, if you choose the Chinese doctor over the Arab doctor, sorry, no, well, if, if you say, I don't care, you're an idiot, and I don't think you're a good parent. Yeah, I actually think that. Uh, just on a statistics level, is what I'm saying. It's not personal against the Chinese guy, you know. And that, you know, I saw a Chinese guy, you know, and he held up a sign. I actually did an episode on it early, and he said, I am not a virus, you know, because he was feeling the, you know, he was feeling the lack of love, you know, because he had Chinese facial features and people were avoiding him, you know. And he held up a sign, um, I am not a virus, you know, to which I would say to him, if I knew him, I saw I saw his picture. I would say it's not all. Not everything's about you, idiot. You selfish bastard. You know, we're two days out. You're you know, even if you're an Aussie, you've got Chinese facial features. It's two days out, and we don't know you from a bar of soap. The odds on you having been in contact with coronavirus are higher than the odds of an Arab having coronavirus. You know, I'm going to be a bit more nervous about you than I am about the Arab. It's mathematics, it's not personal. You know, stop holding your effing sign up that, you know, is all about you. You know, I am not a virus. Who cares? All right, so you're not a virus, but you might have one. Yeah, this is people, yeah. Um, there's a lack of philotomo going on there, as the Greeks might say, but... You know, these are the things you have to contend with. Now, as it turns out, um, if you present to the Royal... Now, we're many, many days in now. Well, past a month or two or whatever. Um, and um, the borders have been closed to Chinese um, travel for quite a while. So the average Chinese person up and down the street in Box Hill right now... Seriously, as far as I can tell, and you know, even if my mathematics is off here, I think my mathematics is on, so it doesn't matter whether it's off, it's what's in my head. Now, as far as I know, as far as I can judge, if I meet a Chinese person in the street right now, he or she has got no more chance of having coronavirus than if I meet an Arab in the street or a Euro looking person, you know, or an African or whatever. African-looking person, you know. People say, he's not an African, he's an Aussie. You know, because he's got an Australian citizenship, he's not an African, he's an Aussie. Oh, shut up. Didn't, weren't you the one who said na- national you know, identity is artificial anyway and we should get rid of it? Well, look, go away, whoever you are. Oh, dear. You know, I see these signs, you know. There's a, an Afghan guy they put up on the walls these days and it's got this huge sign, Aussie. Yeah, yeah, we know. Afghans, you know, we're... In, came over with the camels back in the 1800s, you know. The average, you know, the typical Aussie was Euro-looking. Wasn't even Indigenous. You know, Australians weren't Indigenous at the start. You know, they weren't Australians, they were Indigenous. There's a difference. Australian was a nation-state and Indigenous was Indigenous. You know, people mis- mix up civil rights with Indigenous rights. There's a whole... People are messy with their thoughts. 
I'm messy with my episodes. <laughs> now, um, so, what was I talking about then? I was onto something good, um, and I forget what it was, but you get the gist of everything I'm saying, I think. You know? I was on, I was in the middle of a thought then, right at the end, but it's getting a bit late and I'm a bit tired. So, um, I was in the middle of a thought then, but you can always guess where my thoughts are going, so I don't need to even finish them. So I won't even finish that thought I was just having, because I'm going to bed now. And, uh, and yeah, I reckon that's enough for that episode and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> good night. Ah, I did remember the thought. It does need to be finished. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I said it was, I said good night and it was over, but it wasn't. Um, yes, now, now that it's weeks down the track, and the borders to China have been closed, and the borders from Chinese China have been closed. If I took my children, if I took my child into the Royal Children's Hospital now, I know, as far as my knowledge goes, that's all that matters. What's in your own head? Um, I make it. You know, I, uh, there's no more. As far as I can see, there's no more. There's no more chance of a Chinese-looking doctor having coronavirus now because the borders have been closed for so long than if an Arab-looking person uh, has got a coronavirus. Um, you know, whether, whether I get a Euro doctor looking, looking, it's all about looks, it's about racial profiling. Sorry, it actually is. Um, all right, I'll, they give me three choices today. One of my children gets sick tonight, you know, um, and I'm not superstitious, so saying that won't make them sick. <laughs> Go away, voodoo person. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, you can't. T- yeah, there's no such thing as tempting fate, you know. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, hello, devil. Um, I'm about to go to sleep tonight. Um, I want you to kill me tonight. I wanna. I, I wanna wake up in hell, you know. So as I fall asleep tonight, kill me in my sleep and take me to hell. I dare you, you bastard. You haven't got the power. You haven't got the guts. You got nothing, devil. There you go. I just challenged the devil, and it ain't gonna happen. There'll be a podcast tomorrow. There'll be an episode tomorrow. I ain't dying tonight. <laughs> That's how much power the devil's got. The devil's got nothing. Right? And God's got nothing either. I could, you too, God. Same goes for you. You know, you got nothing. You got no um, omnipotence. Go on. Um, yeah. Kill me tonight. You, know, you can't. You just can't. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm working on statistics here. I like statistics. It ain't going to happen tonight. I'm feeling good. Right. Now, there'll be an episode tomorrow. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, within... Yeah, there's a one in a trillion chance, yeah, a billion, sorry, chance that I won't wake up after tonight, you know. God has no power. God is useless. He's got nothing, and the devil's got nothing too. Right, that out of the way, what was I talking about? If I, um, and I'm working on statistics, you know, that's my game, and it works for me. Now, this is why I'm not a racist, for example. Um, I'm just doing mathematics you know i do mathematics and you call it racism you know that's the way it works in this world do you know people who can't do two plus two i think i think i bet i bet people who are bad at stats accuse people of racism more often than people who aren't bad at maths i bet you that's the case i'd love to do a statistical study on that anyway um so if i if one of my children falls sick tonight um, and I rush that child down to the hospital and they present me with three doctors tonight. And one's Euro-looking, racial profiling. One is Arab-looking, racial profiling. And one is Chinese-looking, racial profiling. Right. Now, it's not me racial profiling them. They're racial profiling themselves by having different faces. You know, if you don't want to be racial pro- racially profiled, have all the same faces. You know, it's your fault everybody for having different faces right now you know which still in this day and age indicate where you might come from not where you do come from but where you might come from now you know um right you know once we all intermarry and the whole world you know is all um a melting pot then it's different you know i'll look at a chinese looking face and it could be an australian but right now if i look at a chinese face you know, there's more chance that that person has been to China recently, and but 
not in the last month because the borders have been closed. Right. So I take my children in. Uh, I take my child in, sick child, and uh, they offer me three doctors, my choice of three doctors, and one's Chinese-looking and one's Arab-looking and one's Euro-looking. Well, guess what? Now, you know, a month in on the coronavirus or whatever it is, I don't care. Chinese guy, sure. Arab guy, don't care. Euro guy. I'm not going to try and avoid the Chinese guy. Um, but I would have two days in. But not now. Yeah, because the maths isn't there anymore, you know. Um, so anybody who's avoiding Asian people right now, now that the borders have been closed for more than 14 days or 27 days or, you know, whatever the... Um, presentation period for coronavirus is um you know if there's been enough time such that you know anyone who might have had coronavirus would already have you know presented with the um with the features of that um yeah there's been enough time for me not to worry about chinese people anymore and i don't i can walk right through the middle of box hill tomorrow and not um and, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be holding my breath um, passing Chinese people because there's no way they could have got the coronavirus, really, realistically. Look, there's a chance, but not enough. You know, so could anyone who is Euro-looking now because it started to spread a little bit and all that sort of stuff, but it's all, all bets are off and everyone's even now, you know. So that's the way I look at that. You know? um, so um, there was an article in which... Um, so the CEO of the Royal Children's Hospital or something said he was appalled that um, people were asking not to be treated by anything other than a Chinese doctor. Now, he was appalled by it on a racism level, but um, I'm appalled by it on a stats level, you know, because I would say to the person, come on, what's the chances? Yeah. And the border's been closed, yeah, there's been no flights from China. How's how's that Chinese doctor even going to have got coronavirus? You know, and I try and you know, sort of get that across to them, but you know, they might not be good at maths. You know, it still might not be racism. You know, their reasoning because they don't know the maths. You know, they haven't worked out the stats. You know? um, or you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it can go on and on. Look, there are people who are racist. Yeah, and uh, coronavirus, you know, things like this, give them an excuse to be racist and to jut their jaws out and say, I don't care because I don't want to get my child um, coronavirus, you know. And, and they, they march in there and they love it, you know. And they go into the Royal Children's Hospital and say, I don't want a Chinese doctor. And I dare you to tell me that I'm being a bad person. I am loving my child. I am not being a racist. Well, some of those people are being a racist. But I'm, I'm saying that not all people who, um, who have been trying to steer clear of Chinese people especially in the early days uh, of coronavirus, are racist. Some of them are operating on mathematics and that's the end of the episode.